Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Air Patrol North. Visit airpatrolnorth.ca. Our guest today, Darren McCarty, one of the toughest dudes to ever lace up the blades. He also scored a couple of the biggest goals in Detroit Red Wings history. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show. Coming up! Today's guest was born in Burnaby, B.C. He grew up in Leamington, Ontario. He had a great junior career with the Belleville Bulls, where he was named OHL Player of the Year. He had almost 200 pro hockey fights. Lead singer in the band Grinder. He was an author, played 15 years in the NHL, 13 of those years with the Red Wings, winner of four Stanley Cups. He scored one of the biggest goals in Wings history. He is co-host of Big D Energy Sports Show. Ladies and gentlemen, DMAC, Darren McCarty. Good to have you on, DMAC. Yeah, what, what an honor, uh, Joe. Um, obviously a fan of, of the program and uh, just to be able to be on here. Uh, I think you hit everything. I think I can leave now. I think you covered everything else. But again, thanks for having me on. Yeah, we got we see the Bob Probert tribute right behind you, too. And we're going to get around to that. But uh I want to talk about the awesome book that uh, that you wrote, which I, I just finished reading this past week. It's called My Last Fight, The True Story of a Hockey Rock Star. You know, it was written a few years ago, but I finally got a chance to re- read it. It was just a spectacular book. And you tell me that there, there's another book that's going to be out shortly, and tell us about that one. Yeah, you know what? Uh, so if people who are familiar aren't familiar with my journey. Um, I wrote um, my last fight to start the hockey rock star about 10 years ago, I think in 2012, 2013. Um, and, uh, and if you see the struggles now, I'm an alcoholic insomniac. Um, so it's been a constant battle for me as I sit here today, which isn't funny because I wrote the book before, but I'm coming up uh, November 11th will be eight years sober. Um, of alcohol and uh, opiates and stuff like that, stuff that I fought. So it's really, it was really interesting because as I read, wrote the book, it was, it was great therapy for me. But you can see my struggle uh, as everybody in my journey, just to you know, cut down on drinking and trying to handle it and stuff like this. So, like I said, I'd, I'd written it ten years ago. So we needed to, and books take a long time to write. Uh, so what we did over the past three years is put together a 150-page graphic novel uh, called Life's a Grind, Enjoy My Truth, uh, with Mess Bucket Comics, my buddy Dom Ruggiero, um, who I, I do a bunch of different comic book stuff with. But uh, I took the stories, and, and you know, the one thing about cartoons and comics is uh, that they last a lifetime. So I was able to add a few more stories and be able to extend a little bit past um, 2015 to let everybody know, but, um, I think that, you know, for me and anybody out there who's struggling with anything, this was great therapy for me to get my truth out there. Um, you know, a lot of times I, I don't think I'm any different that, that people get sometimes they hear things, but they don't, they don't hear it from the horse's mouth. This was just a way for me to give it to you from the horse's mouth and the way that I saw things. And I always say, if I, if you saw it differently and you were around, then write a book, you know, and tell me your <laughs> truth. Because uh, I'm not saying that I saw it the right way, but this is what I remember what I saw. And I think that the fact of being as transparent as I was, um, you know, when people understand that it's not a hockey book, it's a life book. When I tell everybody that uh, – my number one editor was uh, my wife, Cheryl. So it really appeals, I feel, to um, a female crowd also to try to get some insight. And pretty much it, it was the greatest therapy that I could do for myself and just getting everything out there and sort of trying to uh, start, start over as a lot of us try to do. So I appreciate anybody who's read it. And if it's helped anybody, just, you know, one thing that I always say is, uh, you know what you do is not who you are uh, you know we're all we're all human beings we all get either put our pants on right leg or left leg 
but we're pretty similar. So um, definitely uh, something I'm very proud of. Yeah, there's a lot in there I can relate to. I mean, I'm, I'm sober a long time now, 31 years, but I uh, I can certainly relate to to a lot of the stuff in there. And and, uh, and when I re- read that book, uh, you know, you talk about transparency. Yeah, I don't see Darren McCarty hiding anything in this book. <laughs> he's not he's not hiding anything. This is it. And Joe, what's important, right? I tell on myself. I ain't afraid to ever tell on myself. Now, you can, I never tell on anybody else because I can't remember exactly who was there at the time. So, you know, like plausible deniability, but again, to everybody else, else truth, but to to that point and congratulations. And I think it's just that, you know, like something, no matter how many, how much time you have behind you, the the true statement of, uh, you know, one day at a time and, you know, today's a new day and just, you know, got to talk this day is something that I try to do on the daily. Well, you know, you compared your life in the book to a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, uh, what are, what are the similarities that you see? Well, I think a, a lot of times it's out of order. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's a, chaos is out of order. And sometimes, um, you know, you could see the ending come. I, I just think that the characters that, you know, I've met a lot of those Tarantino characters throughout my life, but it, it's it's. I think that if you you love his films, there's always some sort of uh, message there for some of us who who might be a little bit more twisted. Um, and and at the end of the day, you know, um, yeah, the, the way that what I relate to the Tarantino movie is the way is the chaos is the and and now it's still a Tarantino movie, but it's controlled chaos, right? So. It's something more of understanding, I think, as uh, but 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 the transparency and the truth, right? To get down to the point of what uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino doesn't back away from as he throws it in your face is sort of what you get uh, when you get Darren McCarty. Well, you you mentioned uh, in the book that you had you were had ADHD as a kid. I don't know if you were undiagnosed ADHD, but you had ADHD that was apparent as time went on and how do you think that affected who you were and how, what you became well i think that joe like when i look back i, I always have this line is that hey i knew who dmac was uh when i was six years old but i didn't meet darren until i was 46 right i think with with the adhd or the mental health or whatever like that it's just there, there there's a huge positive in the fact of of the drive behind it but Really, you're out of control because there's no break, and it's sort of like the governor's the governor's wide open, and you can't slow it down. So you have to learn. You know, it's it's about self awareness and learning about who you are. Who you are, you know. I always say, don't lie to the person in the mirror, right? So, it, um, again, going back to saying what you what you do is not who you are. It took me a long time to realize that because I knew who Dmac was, I didn't know who Darren was, and it's it's. You know, I think that in life, sometimes we we lose track of what's important. Right. So with the ADHD and stuff like this, and, and I'm no different than everybody else. I think 80 percent of the population. It's just how can you deal with it? And what does this mean? I think it's a huge positive because it was the driving factor for me to no matter what I was told, because I was one of those kids that I was always told why I wouldn't be something. And I always like shoving up people's asses of why I would be. So I've been told why I can't. I think that people over time, now that I'm in my 51st year, realize that you shouldn't challenge me with things like that because I can accomplish anything I put my mind to. I realize that. So it's about being more selective in that. But I think that, you know, with the ADHD at a young age, like anybody else, is that, you know, you don't really understand it and just, as we get older, I mean, heck, I'm just—I'm like everybody else, man. If I if I could apply what I know now, thirty years ago, mm. would we be would we be where we are? But that's you know, unfortunately, that's not the game of life. So what I try to do now is just be transparent with my experiences. That's why I call it my truth. And um, if I can help the younger generation, male or female, no matter what it is. Uh, to avoid the mountains and, and tackle some issues and stuff maybe that they have when they're molehills, 
and they can be better better people and, and discover who their Darren is, for lack of a better term, earlier than maybe 46, then that's a win. So um, I, I don't hide from any of my experiences. Yeah, there's some things I would love to change, but I also understand that uh, everything's a lesson. So um, you had a great uh, junior career. It started out a little slowly, but it got you got rolling in Belleville. You talk about playing with Brent Gretzky and, uh, you know, uh, in Belleville. Uh, you, you, uh, you said he would make the NHL in today's game. Why do you think uh, he wouldn't? didn't make it then, but would have made it today. Well, I think back in, in, in the nineties, it was size, right? I mean, the, if you were six foot, uh, taller than the six foot tall, but if you were six, four and 220 pounds, I mean, that's equivalent today to the guy that can skate, skate lights out, um, on the ice, right? Speed is a new size in the NHL. Brent Gretzky just wasn't, Big enough, and unfortunately, maybe like when you're a smaller guy um, like that, it's just like didn't have maybe the durability or whatever else. Or also, too, is the thing with Brent is, is he'd always got pigeonholed as as Wayne's younger brother. Mm. You look at like the pro, the pro career that he had. Um, you know, he he skated like Wayne. He looked like a, a smaller version of Wayne. Um, you know, I think that Brent was more feisty than Wayne was. So when I think back of my junior year, I mean, I won player of the year in the OHL in 1992 and 55 goals, 127 points. And, and that was because a coach Larry Mavity, uh, God rest his soul, the legend that I was, the only time I was off the ice was when I was in the penalty box. Um, and the fact to have Brent Gratzky, Jake drives, Tony Similaro, Scott Boston, um, our veteran guys that it was just sort of like the five of us. And it was something that, that a year I'll never forget. Um, you know, small shout out to, uh, Brent too, because, uh, during, uh, before our last season in 90, the summer of 91, I was able to go out to, to LA with him for, for a week or so oh, yeah. and hang out at Wayne's house and do all that stuff. So, uh, that, that was, uh, incentive. See, to me, that was incentive enough to to have a great year and stuff. But my last year in junior, I'll, I'll never forget. And uh, special memory with all those guys, um, especially being Brett Gretzky. One of the one of the things I'll mention is is I think it was uh, after maybe our first or second year, but we went to Brent's house and Walter Phyllis's in Brantford. And in the basement, dude, it was like the Hockey Hall of Fame. I got pictures, like I wear Tetiak jerseys and all the jerseys that Wayne collected and the trophies that he had. It was like a small Wayne Gretzky, you know, Hockey Hall of Fame. That's one of the things that was, was super cool, too. Yeah, did you find that inspiring? Oh, 100%, 100% right? That, that's where you want to get to and attain. And sometimes you need that to see, you know, what it's like on the other side and, and that the motivation so that probably just kicked uh kicked kicked me in the pants just a little bit more yeah you talked about in the book uh, hanging with wayne and janet in los angeles and there was some, some pretty cool times but i want to talk about that that draft year because as you mentioned it was pretty awesome as you said 55 goals 72 assists and just 65 games ohl player of the year and you did it all you were hitting you were fighting you were scoring and the Bulls were winning, and everything was going pretty, pretty well, you know. But were you surprised to hear your when you got your name called at the draft? Were you surprised, or were you ready? No, I was actually pissed that Detroit didn't take <laughs> me with their first round pick because I thought that if I went that that I was going uh, Ottawa first pick in the second, they took Chad Penny. So I when I got by Ottawa, and you know, there's some rumbling with Edmonton and stuff, but I uh when it got to that I didn't care when it got to that second round with Detroit, I was just I still remember to this day that sort of feeling when when they announced right winger Belleville Bulls and I remember thinking to myself, I'm the only guy that can be drafted that played right wing on Belleville sitting in the stand. So um that was definitely a dream come true to be drafted in the Montreal Forum and you know I remember running around 
at Montreal that night uh, with my uh, Red Wing jersey on. So uh, definitely had the whole family there. It's something, you know, cousins and everybody that I grew up with. So we have something that we shared and never forget. The uh, Red Wings, you know, played reasonably close to Leamington. Were, were they one of the teams you, you uh, followed as a kid? Or were, were those, were, where were they? No, no. They were my, you know what? The least can eat up, you know, at the least messed up. They didn't take me, but that, that was all my cousins. It was Montreal and Toronto that shoved down my throat. Listen, we were the dead wings, worse than what the wings uh, were for the past, like, six, eight years. But we could beat people up. And then when, when Stevie came when I was 11, and then Proby and Joey, and, you know, all I ever wanted to do was be, like, the Robin to Proby or Joey's Batman. So. Um, it was easy for me because I was focused and I, and I knew, and I don't, doesn't matter if people laugh or not, I proved it, um, is the fact that I knew that there was something that I could bring to that team. It was just a matter of, hey, and don't get it twisted. I mean, I would, I would be happy to get drafted anywhere and would have, you know, gave everything to whatever team, but to be to the team that you grew up with, that you knew the history, you knew the, the dark days. And stuff like that was absolutely a dream come true. And I knew the role that I needed to play for this team to win, right? And and so it was easy because I I watched it since I was, you know, since 70. First game I ever went to in Olympia in 1977. So, and, the, and to give or take for some perspective, the house that I grew up in in Leamington, Ontario, give or take for 10 minutes for the border between Detroit and Windsor, I could get to... Uh, Joe Louis Serena in 40 minutes. So that's why I consider myself Detroit's favorite stepchild. For sure, for sure. Okay, so uh, you spent a little bit of time in Adirondack with the Miners before you made the big, big club, and you, you called the Adirondack, Adirondack Red Wings the team the, the toughest team in hockey. Why, why, why was that? Toughest team in pro hockey that year, for sure. We had like eight killers. I was like, I was like the fresh meat on the bone. So it was easy for me because I had all these guys behind me. I had like Kirk Tomlinson and, and Serge Anglehart and Bob Bugner and Dennis Dial and Jim Cummins and, you know, Gord Krupke. Um, like I had guys behind me that, so being the young guy, I, I mean, I remember telling a story in the book that we're playing in, in uh, Providence and me and Kirk Tomlinson, who pound for pound the toughest guy that I've ever played with. We called him Gunner. He's like uh, five foot ten, 180 pounds, and just we called him Gunner because he threw machine gun hands. And we cornered Darren Banks, uh, him and I, and we're arguing over who's going to fight him. And 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 he said he was going to. I said go ahead, and instead of letting him go ahead, I jumped in, and I got in a lot of crap for that after. So um, made it a lot, made it really easy to. Uh, to establish, I think I had 45 majors that year in the minors. But, you know, when, when I got guys behind me, I was, you know, you're never afraid. So, that, yeah. And we had a great team, yeah. too. Just unfortunately, we lost in seven to uh, Springfield, who lost the final to Cape Breton that year. Well, you know, you, you talk about it. It's, it's kind of nice having those guys around you who can support you, a, a good supporting staff. It makes you look, feel a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher. And and the same thing uh, when you're on the ice with, with some of the some of the skilled guys, so you make it to the NHL. Uh, you tell me in the book that you were a self proclaimed leader. Uh, did you find that to be a positive or a negative? Uh, you know the fact that you uh, you know you you bled out pretty easy. Yeah, you want a cement head. You want a cement head that bleeds like a sieve because you get you know the girls like it. You know, like I said, <laughs> score goals to get the, score goals to get money, get scars, and the girls will talk to you. So, no, right. I, I never never had a problem with bleeding, but I would I would always. I mean, I got scars all over, stitches. I mean, I think I've had close to five hundred in my face. So it just, but but you got to have the cement head to go with it. So then it doesn't doesn't really affect it. So I, I think it I think it plays well. Right, and you also drew a lot of blood uh, against your opponents. We have a contest here with uh, Matthew Barnaby, uh, clearly getting oh. getting the better of this uh, this contest. Uh, tell us about your relationship with uh, Matt Barnaby. 
Well, I love Matt Barnaby, but you know what? He's he was the rat, and this time he uh, he got caught in the trap. So I got him real good. He's he he will explain. I think I caught him pretty good for stitches. We talk about this. There's no hard feelings. I mean, he's he's cut out of the same cloth that I am, uh, team guy and, and stuff like that. So that's just one of the, one of the times that you're able to get your hands on on a guy like that. So. No hard feelings, all part of the game. As you said, you got to, you know, hit him a lot harder than that. So, I mean, he's got a good scar to, good scar, uh, to take from it. So, uh, definitely uh, mad respect for Matt Barnaby and, and the teammate that he was and the way he played. Okay, so here, here's another another uh, tough, real tough dude. Uh, we got some biz of you with uh, Ty Domi. Uh, was Ty one of the toughest guys you ever fought? Absolutely. And and here's the one thing, right, is that a lot of times when fighting Ty is, is, is that I would go to tying him up because Ty likes to get you swinging, uh, swinging around the circle, and that's where he's at in the band. And so um, most of the time, uh, you're not going to hurt Ty Domi. We saw what he did with Proby and stuff like that. So just to frustrate him there, that, that that's what you can do to make him mad. And that's more or less what I what I was gonna do anyway. So just, uh, yeah. I mean, it used to be awesome Maple Leaf Gardens when Proby and I would line up on the draw, and he'd look at me and, okay, um, he's fighting Domi, and I get I get to you know get punched around by Ken Baumgartner, which was an honor too. So, all part of the game. But that's that's what you that's what you live for. Yeah, Domi had that low center of gravity. You talked about Kirk Tomlinson, similar kind of thing, eh? Like uh, Domi also had the uh, reputation of, of, of throwing a lot of a lot of hard punches too in in, in rapid succession, machine gun style, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. He gets a, you see some of his best fights, and it doesn't matter the size of the guy, and that's why you got to be with the bigger guys, and he gets them swinging off balance. Yeah, Ty mm. was such a technician. I mean. But I've been watching Ty Domi since he's playing, you know, 14 years old, playing junior C in Bell River, you know, fighting 20-year-olds. So, I mean, it was really nothing for us in Essex County, really, to uh, – it didn't really surprise us. And, that, and then when I played junior B in Peterborough, he was with the Pete. So, I've known Ty a long time, and he's always been tough in that aspect. Another guy you talked about in the book you mentioned is Joey Kosher. Uh, you talked about him – considerable amount how tough was this dude well here's the fight i always talk about toughest guy pro hockey listen he hits the only time i squared off right-handed switched to left but he threw that punch right there when he took my helmet off he took a piece of it um didn't get me but we both hit our heads on the ice and right there he looks at me and he says you all right kid and i said thanks for not <laughs> killing me mr kosher so in hindsight in hindsight, he didn't kill me, and he came back uh, a few years later out of the beer league and was one of the biggest reasons uh, why we won the Cups because Joey Kosher's nickname is Papa, and he was sort of the father figure to all us younger grind line guys and stuff like this. So definitely, yeah, you don't want look, you don't want to get hit by those. Those are those are those ruined careers, man. That's why I always say, yeah. fighting Joe Kosher, right? Like. Joey's just going to absolutely hit you and destroy you. Proby's more like a lion. He's going to maul you, and you're going to wish you were dead. So no bueno either way. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no good side. You just got to hope that he hits your helmet. So uh, uh, a lot of guy, a lot of tough guys from your neck of the woods. Uh, was uh, Leamington area a hotbed for scrappers? Is it what you found? My I son lost in Silsonburg, so I... I think it's Essex <laughs> County, though. Windsor, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, like I said, we said, you know, rest the soul, Barry Potomsky, who I grew up with, was one of the toughest toughest guys my age. You know, Proby, you got Bob Boone. It starts with the godfather, John Ferguson. So I think there's something in the water. Maybe it's growing up around Lake Erie and stuff like this. But, I mean, I grew up, you know, farm kid like anybody else. I mean, you know, it was it was part of the game. It was part of you know, sort of society and stuff like that. And and as a Canadian kid from Leamington, being a tomato picker and everything like that, you know, <laughs> you learned how to st stick up for yourself. So 
So, yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff was, it's sort of right of passage. Tomato pickers and, and uh, tobacco farmers, right? So uh, yeah, now cannabis. Yes, it's now cannabis, right? So, okay, so you're fighting. Uh, you're telling, talking about in the book, fighting a guy one time, and he says, "Yeah, how can you stick up for guys like Malpy and Draper? They're a holes." <laughs> and your response was, "Yeah, they're my a holes. Uh, sticking up for these hey. dudes was uh, part of your game." Yeah. Ah, uh, talk about the grind line and. And Wendell Clark said it the best because he goes, no wonder they're so good. There's four of them because the Joey Kosher, Chris Draper, uh, Kirk Malfi, myself. Yeah, here's fighting another, you know, Donald Brashear. Always guy who fights tough, strong, tough. You know, we fought a whole bunch of times. Um, and and the whole thing is you just, you know, you try not to get hurt. He fell there, so makes her look even better. But, yeah, no, grapes and malt and what made us all the uh, so good is we took so much pride in checking the, the other teams' top lines, especially in the playoffs. You know, the Legion of Doom, you know, Sackick or Forsberg in those Colorado series. And then when we needed to, we had to score goals. But yes, exactly. Draper, Malfi, two of the biggest a holes that you'll ever find to play <laughs> the game on the ice. But again, they're mine. So, so what are we going to do about it? They're, they're my a holes, yes, indeed. And they so, still uh, are my a holes. They're getting this Detroit yeah. Red Wings on the ice back together, and they still are my a-holes, just for a fact. So you also mentioned that having the uh, the, the referees on your side and linesmen on your side was uh, was a benefit. Uh, how so? No, I mean, you always want and, – and it's funny because we just played an alumni game this weekend against the Boston Bruins and uh, Don Koharski and uh, Davin Massenholden were both of the refs. and. You know, relating back, and it was always talking about. Um, I didn't wear a letter, but I always had a great rapport with the rest of the linesmen. A lot of it was through growing up. Don Van Massenhoven was a ref uh, in the OHL when I played, so it's always a rapport. I don't know if you know this a lot, but a lot of times the guys with the C's or the A's, they have. Sorry about that. They have a. Uh, they have a tough time um, communicating and they like to use a lot of expletives and maybe the point doesn't get across because of the heat and the motion of the game. So you need somebody like myself to be the diplomat and, uh, you know, sort of voice the reason. So whether it was the linesman, because A, the linesman could save your life. You never wanted, you know, to be on the bad side of them or put them in a bad spot because they could protect you especially in a fight and stuff like this. And the refs, I mean, I was always taught that, you know, what does what does a game sort of yelling at them? I could always say, hey, I think you missed it. Will you go look at it and we can talk about it and have the respect? So I, th- I think that's a big part of the game. But you need the yings and yangs, right? So, so right. you need the guys that get all – you need a balance. But you also have to make sure that there, that that I always thought that at the end of the day, and I was grateful for this. And if I asked, you know, for an explanation or, or or something that, for the most part, you got one. But you didn't, and most of the time you didn't like, it, but you got one. Yeah. And that that was a start. And it starts with that. That's the respect of the game. Right. You know, you 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 have the the boy who cried wolf, right? The guys who complain every time there's a call because they think there's a problem with it, and I mean that's got to be tiring for officials after a while. And you know, I, I I mean, if I'm an official, I can't help myself to fingering that guy purposely because uh, I'm so bloody tired of him. You know, what I mean, it's, <laughs> well, there there's a balance too, right? And then there's also where you know it's it's. See, Scotty Bowman's not just the greatest coach. He's the greatest psychologist, right? So it's a lot of psychology going on there, man. Like, like let's say for an example, if this ever happened, not saying it would. But let's say Chris Draper got a little perturbed and would start be going off maybe on a linesman in the faceoff or whatever. Well, maybe Darren McCarty would come in and tell Chris Draper what an asshole he was, you know, for, for being that way. And then they'd start yelling at each other and it would take the heat off the ref being mad at him because I was mad at him. And it'd be good cop, right. bad cop sort of stuff like that. So there, there's a lot of psychology to go with it. You never want to, you know, especially with officiate officials, no time did I ever believe um, 
you know, they're out to get you or anything like that. It's, it's, you know, a lot of times it's human error. It's just, what are you going to move for? You don't, the one thing you don't want one call to affect the next call or an attitude because of a, a grudge to affect something, not saying that it would, but why would you even put yourself in that position? Well, you talked about Scotty. So did, would that directive come from Scotty? He'd tell you to go talk, talk to Draper. And that no, was- no, no directive. Scotty. No, no, you, you don't know Scotty. Scott, everything was, was you figured it out. Right. Like, oh, okay. I mean, maybe there was a subtle time, but it was sort of how, because Scotty be yelling at it too. So, so he knew that you were the buffer, and if you're standing there, because he would go off on something, and then you'd have to use Scotty like, the guy's crazy. And, and yeah, the ref, oh, yeah, I know, you should see him in the room, you know, like, stuff like that. You know, you got to, there's a psychology to, to it, uh, the game in between the game. And there was no one better than Scotty Bowman at it. Well, you know, you mentioned Scotty. He, he called you his second favorite right winger of all time behind some guy named uh, Guy Lafleur. That's that's pretty high praise. Yeah, that was my Hall of Fame moment, bro. Uh, and this was so after we used to win the Cup, Mr. and Mrs. Village, our owners have a big party. And we're standing around this pool, like a pool of shrimp cocktail, like the biggest pool of shrimp cocktail you can see him. <laughs> Scotty comes up and I was standing next to my father-in-law Norm Richards at the time and uh and Scotty said you know Mac uh one of the things uh you know that I regret is I didn't tell my players uh, how much I appreciate them and I'm like yeah Scotty you brought me in the league and stuff and he's like shut up and, and that happened a lot <laughs> I was like yeah he said what I want and then he said what I wanted to tell you was you're my second favorite right winger ever to play for me next to Neil Fleur and then boom shuffled off and wow thank god wow. Norm, thank god norm was there to hear it so yeah I, that that's all i need if anybody knows me it's just I, I just have to be heard you know i don't have to be right and it's just a little bit of appreciation which i always got from my guys you know i always felt appreciated for what i did and that's you know then we'll move on down the road so um wow. so i got that in my back pocket yeah, beautiful moment, no doubt about it. Now, I know you were tight with a lot of your teammates, uh, like Brendan Shanahan, uh, at least president. Uh, we have a clip from a game show that you were on together on ESPN. I don't know if you remember this or not. Let's have a look. Yeah, Darren, what's the worst thing Shanny has ever done to you? Scotty, he, he, ha- he has a bad habit of of stretching naked. Oh, <laughs> we come in the room, you know, it's like, you know, we're coming too late. And then he'll come and be like, you know? Wait, that's exaggerating. And that's torture to worship. Like, he doesn't do it in front of him, but like, walk in and then he's like, and you need therapy after that, don't you? That's not what he said. I'm 36. What did he say? I keep the sheets on me when I'm sitting. I don't know, what did he say, dude? That was tough. I know, thanks for, uh, I just always do it. You're like, I'm in a tripod when you open the door. That's not it. Shani, what, did, what, you, did, you what did you say? I said I uh, criticized your singing, which I'm going to do now forever. <laughs> but it's too easy, man. Everybody I personally believe it's much worse to stretch naked in front of another man. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say it was right, right, no doubt not about that. in front of another man, but you walk into the room and it's <laughs> than you'd want. I'd walk in and walk. Come on, man. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So I mean. Yeah, we're tight uh, to this, you know, to this day. Uh, I hope that uh, that's that's the one reason I hope that uh, Toronto gets it right is, is for him. But I think his hands are a little bit more tied. But I love uh, Shady. Always has on and off the ice. Uh, one of the best uh, humans and the best teammates uh, you can find. And anytime I okay, can so having- balls, I will. Yeah, yeah. So having having uh, known him as the guy who stretches naked in front of you all the time, are you a little surprised that he's he's now running the the richest franchise in the NHL and and the, and the most one of the most storied? Absolutely not. He's got his own room now. That's for sure. So he can stretch all the time, <laughs> and to the point he wouldn't do it in front of you. He'd just be doing that when he walked in the room. So now he can. Oh, do okay, it okay, okay. He can do wherever he wants. No, it doesn't surprise me because he's one of the smartest, smartest human beings I know. 
So before you guys reached the pinnacle, right, that, that, uh, the glory of the, the cup you had, you, you lost to the Devils, you lost to Colorado, but what did you learn from those setbacks? You know what, perseverance and the fact is, I was talking about this the other day, is that what you learn is the fact that uh, the number one thing is belief in yourself in the room. We were talking about this. I, 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 I forgive, but I never forgot the fact that we were too European, we were too Russian, we were too soft, right. we weren't good enough, you know, all that stuff. But in the room, we believed it. And so, Mark, you know, you go to March 26, 97, I mean, that was the, you know, Red Wing D-Day, for lack of a better term, because that, that was the precipice of everything. And because we had to win that hockey game because of everything that culminated from when I started there whether it was winning the President's Trophy, losing to San Jose the first year, going to the finals, losing to Jersey, setting the league record 62 wins, losing in game six, Chris Draper getting annihilated right in front of me by Claude Mew, him never apologizing, losing all three games of the 96-97 season. So the only way out through, bro. So had to uh, had to definitely get it done. Uh, on that March 26, 97 game. But the bottom line was the, what it, the belief in everybody else in the locker room. And it was, it, it right. was wild because, because those moments, nothing is ever really said. It's just implied if you're on the same page and you're willing to do everything else. And if I talk about March 26, 97 or Sweet Revenge, Fight Night at the Joe, whatever it is, um, you always look at how did that hit start, right? How did the melee start? Igor Liriano. And, All and five yeah. foot five, 140 Forrest pounds, Bird. soaking wet, Igor Liriano. Not the strongest, yeah. the fastest, the biggest, right? but maybe the eldest right. or the wisest. Right, right there. As you can right. see right there, Forsberg and Liriano and I know that Lemieux's on the ice and Shanny breaks me free and I end up cold cocking him. I don't know that all this is going on behind me because I'm trying to put his face through the boards right in front of Drapes and that I need him with the with something that I don't condone. But I was raised by John Rambo and he drew first blood. So to this day, Claude Lemieux's got a wealth on his head from where I need him to rock mine not to be done. So... This was just, you know, we believed in each other. You never thought that this would happen, but watch Bernie slip the left here. This is, this is right. great. So, D-Day, March 26, 97, uh, Bloody Wednesday. There's been nicknamed uh, a lot of different things, but I want to talk about, okay, so so Chris Draper takes, uh, you know, gets, gets mauled by Lemieux, gets his face shattered, his jaw busted in a couple of places. He was basically done this was retribution for that but it was also you know it had it had more more than that to it tell us about the real yeah okay so so game six of the year before final game father mew hits chris draper from behind right in front of me breaks his jaw in four spots crushes his orbital bone um in life and sports bad things happen but you can't lose respect for a fellow human being and the big thing was Claude Lemieux said, screw Chris Draper. He didn't apologize. Said you wouldn't have heard of him if you didn't did it. And, you know, it's part of the game. It's not part of the game. It's personal. So <clears throat> it was personal. It was really personal. I mean, the only thing that was ever said between anybody was between me and Chris Draper when I got him out of the hospital two days after he that with his jaw wired mm -hmm. shut in four spots in the titanium places. I looked at him and I said, I'll take care of it. And that was it. That was it. Nothing was ever said between any of us to what happened on the ice. So you can't, so the fact that it was put into the big guy's hands upstairs and I'm the messenger and it played out like that, but not just like that, because the biggest thing is we had to win the game. So I got, I slayed the dragon. We got Lemieux right here, but we were still down in the game. And the fact that we were down 5-3 and tied it up, went overtime, 
Oh, by the way, I got four minutes for roughing and a 10-minute misconduct for that. Yes. Yes. Stayed in the game and scored the overtime winner. How is that, eh? That's what I call sweet revenge, right? So at the end of that game, and it was in the Wing Wheeled Nation, everybody, and it it didn't matter. It was the team, state, city, world, country, universe, whatever. The proverbial. Going to be all right. Don't know what it means. Going to be all right. And that was the cat oh. because, yeah, absolutely, bro. Okay, so uh, you, we talked about the physicality and the, and the fact that you just scored the overtime winner in that game. Uh, you scored a lot of playoff goals al- along the way that were key goals, and, and you seemed to really turn it on come playoff time. Uh, we got a good one against the Sharks. Uh, nice setup by Sheldon Kennedy. Uh, tell us about this one. Yeah, you know what? I got, um, you know, it was, uh, that was our rookie year. I think me, Shelly, uh, Primo, or, or Proby were on the same line in the playoffs against San Jose, and we lost in seven. But, I mean, I had three goals and two assists in that one. Just simple middle lane drive back in the day where a guy can't pick you up. So, I think I ended up scoring. I played, I played, I think, 150 or so playoff games and, you know, found the net a, a few times. Uh, you know, I scored, uh, scored a big, you know, clinching goal. And I, I even scored when I went to Calgary, scored an overtime goal, um, round one there. When I look back at that, it's, you know, it's cool to be able to score, but yeah, you know, it, it blows me away because we're still using wood sticks. <laughs> you know, I, I did it with a Louisville wood stick. I remember that stick for some reason. You won't find one these days. Well, okay. Here's a sweet one. Uh, this is, uh, Stevie Osmond. To Bob Berry, to Darren McCarty, and to tell us about Stevie Eisman as a leader. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, Steve, I, what can you say? I mean, not only the person, the player, and stuff like that. And we used to laugh because uh, Bob Berry used to say, played with Stevie in Peterborough, and he used to say to Stevie, go, yo, Stevie, I, you know, I brought you into this league. And he says, yeah, and you two are going to take me out of this league. So, um, Anytime you got to play with Stevie, that was the whole black with me and the grind line where you mentioned there was four of us because I'd start the game with Maltz and Drapes. Then Joey would play um, the game and I would end the game with them. And uh, the other time I'd have to go, you know, make sure Eisenman was okay. You know, he had to make sure he patrol his right side. That's why he was such a great defensive forward. That's why he said nobody can knock him from 150 points to 80 like D-Mac. From 150 to 80. That's, that's deceleration, folks. I can hear you down real hard. <laughs> you also collect, okay. But you also collect trophies in that time. So. Oh, yeah. That's what's more important, right? And that Scotty but talks I, about Eisman uh, changing his game for the, for, the, for the betterment of the team, right? He changed his game for the betterment of the team, right? Everything is lead by example with them. You know, everything yeah. is lead by example. Man of few words, but when he does talk, he means it, but he's, he leads by example, whether it's, you know, in 02, playing on, like, half a, half a leg, um, you know, doing whatever it takes. He'll do whatever it takes. I tell everybody is that if you don't understand is that I think that Chris Draper and myself have some of the biggest love for this organization and pride in being a Red Wing. Steve Eiserman is is ours combined Steve Eisenman's is great or you just you'll hear us be a little bit more vocal but nothing he wants more than to write this ship uh because this is you know a lot of who he is right it's home right so you had a lot of a lot of success against Patrick Waugh uh a lot of success I did he doesn't I don't think he likes me very much Okay, we we got we we got some some McCarty playoff goals against Patrick Waugh. Uh here There's on the wraparound, lot. Vic. We're moving ahead to uh, McCarty playoff goals. Uh, I have to because we've been jumping around the order here, but this is good. So uh, it's a wraparound goal that we're looking for you and, and scoring on 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 uh, on Patrick Waugh. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, there's always, you ask any goalie, but there's always somebody that has your number. And 
for me, it just seemed that, you know, the, one of the greatest goalies of all time, uh, I was able to put the puck behind him uh, more than more than once, and usually uh, in the playoffs. So I know that if I look back in those playoff series, I think I had three and four goals in a bunch of different series against Colorado uh, over time. I know that the hat trick in 0-2 and stuff like that, and then scoring in game six in the 2 nothing game. So doesn't mean yeah, that, you know what, every yeah. – all right, everybody's got that number. So Okay, so just over a minute to go now, and you're sitting it all alone. Uh, and you're going to pick the corner on, as you said, one of the greatest goalies in NHL history. And there we go. Bread and butter. That's um, Larry Mavity, my junior coach, said if you're deacon, you know, if you're deacon on a breakaway, you're going to get benched. Shoot that thing. And any right-handed shot knows you got to put it upstairs where Normie Bates keeps his mom. Oh, beautiful you know what's funny shot, is man. I, I, thank you. I scored this. this um, I scored this one. And I think in game, I think this was game two, but I, in one of the next games, I had a great, I had a, the same opportunity and uh, just missed. So, um, yeah, thank, thank God that uh, it's it's not it's not how many, it's when you score them. I'll, I'll stick with that yeah. anyways because I didn't score them. Exactly, exactly. Well, well, here's one of the best of the best. Okay, this is the Stanley Cup final now against the Flyers. And uh, we're going to have a look at one of the one of the best goals you're ever going to see in a playoff. I'm going to dump it in. I'm going to dump it in. I don't. I, for lack of a better term, and and, and I'll tell you this right now. When I made the move and I saw Hextall in the corner of my eye, the flash to orange, I realized a couple of years ago, growing up in Leamington, Ontario, our colors were red and white. Well, Essex is our main rival and their colors were orange and black. So how many times have I seen that Jersey growing up? And when I pulled it to the middle, I said, please don't miss the net. Best part of that double pirouette in the corner. First guy I see Steve Eiserman with the eyes the size of dinner sauce is going, what the F was that? And me going, and him telling me, well, thank God you don't have to do it again. So thank God he didn't have to do it again. God bless Eric Lindros for scoring with like 13 seconds left or whatever he did to make it 2-1 to make this uh, Stanley Cup clinching goal and also to gave me my favorite memory because I was on the ice when the buzzer went to the 97 Cup. So to be on the ice with Eisenman, Shanahan, Lindstrom, and Konstantinov, what a rush. Right. Yeah, that was the goal scorer's goal, you know, backhand to forehand, beating Ron Hextall. Uh what a what a beautiful moment that, that must have been, and uh, you know you talked about Scotty putting you on the ice for the end of the game. Uh, a, a lot a lot to take in there. A lot a lot to take in there. It just shows you the kind of confidence he had in you, right? Yeah, you know um, that that's one of the things is uh, yeah, and that's where living die. Like you got to take pride. One of the, the secrets is what are you going to do better than ninety nine point nine percent of the rest of the rest of the players for me it's being physical and then once playing physical is to own your wall in your own end so he knew life or death that puck came around my way it was going to get out or i would die trying so uh that as the player for me as a player to have that that confidence from your coach in you is uh says it all you also spent some time as a lead singer in the group grinder uh and tell us about that of that experience yeah, no. So, uh, you know, actually, we're uh, grinders on a hiatus to the end of uh, November because my lead, uh, my uh, rhythm guitarist broke his wrist, had to get a plate in his hand. But we'll, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're actually uh, look for us uh, coming up soon. Uh, in talks with Sony uh, Digital, uh, we're going to release a few more few more things and be back out on the road. Uh, passion project, along like the book, writing songs and lyrics and. And performance, a, a great form of therapy. Um, been doing it with Billy, uh, you know, doing my guy Billy Reedy for a long time. So Grinder still lives and might be, a, you never know, might be in a in a spot near you in the near future. So got to keep got to got to keep the options open. So you, I want to talk about your your uh, your career coming uh, you know coming to an end, and then you know the the, 
alcoholism and, 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 and addiction getting out of control. What brought you to your knees? No, I mean, alcohol is my biggest demon. And I think that, you know, it was uh, purpose. So between 2009 after I retired and 2015 when I was able to get sober, it was, uh, you know, it, it, like I was, I just didn't, I, there wasn't, there wasn't a purpose. I think, and it was, it was something that I, uh, you have to look inside. I say that it was, it took the love of a woman, not for me. It took a love of a woman to show me that I deserved to love myself. So, and had to do the hard work. And, and I'm, you know, I know out there for anybody who's struggling and, and doing it. Cause I struggled on and off well-documented for a lot of years. And, you know, for me, it was being, getting, real with myself but it was also to uh developing a relationship with the cannabis plant and finding out you know where some of the mist is and, and the big thing with my you know recovery is a lot to do with the cbds and the cbn for the sleep and and stuff like this yes for the adhd and all the mental stuff uh you know need the thc and stuff but it's it's figuring out your own system so getting sober through the love of uh, you know people in Michigan, because uh, being able to, to the medical uh, marijuana program um, and and Rick Simpson oil, uh, God bless Rick Simpson. I should have a Canadian merit of honor um, for developing uh, that medicine, the plant concentrated form, because that's what got the physical addiction of alcohol away. Uh, so. Um, you know, the best part this time around is I, you know, I look at alcohol like all of I mean, I don't have an inkling for it. There's no use for it in my life. Uh, and it's just because of, you know, finding, uh, looking in the mirror, not lying to that person, surrounding myself with, you know, with good people, people that, and when I say by good people, it's people that are on the same path that you're on trying to accomplish same things that you're trying to accomplish that's all it's all about line yourself with people that are trying to do the same thing so for me i got the darren mccarty uh cannabis brand which is the cbd roll-on and and the gummies and the flour and all that stuff which is stuff that i've created for myself and for other alcoholic insomniacs and people who uh, use cannabis as an option so that's the number one question so um yeah you know don't wish that I didn't have to go through some of the things that I've gone through, but I understand going through them is, is in order to get here right now. And um, yeah, every day I try to be better than the next. And um, it's, it's led me to almost eight years, you know, so, uh, sober and uh, on this, on this path where, you know, I'm able to do my comedy tour, able to do wrestling, the band, you know, Woodward sports, you know, all the stuff with the Red Wings. So I'm grateful. I'm, uh, I truly am. Well, you know, you talked earlier about, uh, you know, it'd be nice if you had been able to do all this stuff without having to go through it. If you knew, if you knew now what you would, uh, if you knew then what you know now, how things could have been, but you needed that experience because that experience has made you, you know, in, incredibly and uniquely useful to be, you know, of service to other people. There's no doubt about Absolutely, that. Absolutely, hundred percent. Right. Hundred yeah. percent. So, and that's sort of the story. Yeah, you talked. You've talked about big D energy sports. We do have a clip of you getting into it with one of your cohorts. Uh, let's 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 roll that. Quick. Oh, I, I, it's uh, oh yeah. Sorry, Darren defense, but you know what? I'll tell you what. We can, we can. Was I defending? Was I defending Steve Eiserman? Probably. That's the thing I'm uh, most I think about. You're talking. You're. Yeah. Here, let's have a talk listen. about here, here. arguably the greatest team ever assembled. They don't talk about Darren McCarty. They talk about all the guys I just well, mentioned. Adding Chelios. They're not supposed to talk about Brett Darren Hull, McCarty. You dumbass. <laughs> Darren McCarty's supposed to do his job, so you talk about the rest of them. Because, you know what, every now and then, because you know what happens, Sam? And you ask this, grind line go. Why? Because every once out of ten times, the big guys couldn't get it done. So when did it come down to? Right? When push came to shove. 
Oh, 98, I'm sorry. Who scored the overtime goal in game two of the finals? Was that Chris Draper? Oh, no, was it Sergey Fed? No, it was Chris Draper. So look at all the timing when it has to happen. Because it's all about not when your big guys get her done. It's, it's can you have your role guys step in. So there you go. There's a little taste of, of Darren. Pulled up a Sam Flannel uh, take. Sam Flannel also is we call him the legend killer. Um, you should hear his take on Ben Wallace, but I won't go there. So, uh, yeah, some 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 kids these days need to be uh, put in their place. So that's what I deal with on the daily. I don't always Beautiful. yell, well, listen, but when I do, yeah, yeah. Well, I I want to I I want to thank you. Darren, for taking the time to be here. Uh, once again, the book is My Last Fight, The True Story of a Hockey Rock Star. And uh, soon to be released, Life's a Grind and Enjoy My Truth. Looking forward to that. Yeah, you well. can find yep, Mess Bucket Comics. You can find that at Mess Bucket Comics or anywhere, Darren McCarty, for anybody who's social, social media, uh, Darren McCarty. Well, this has been fun, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us, Darren. You got it, Joe. Anytime, bud. Uh, appreciate it. Love, love the fact uh, that, like, I think that the, out of uh, the podcasts out there, the fact that what you do with Canadian athletes and stuff, it brings us back. For all of us who have lived, you know, maybe abroad for for a little bit, this has a little bit of home. So, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, DMac, the one Thanks, and only. Joe. We got more sports when we come back. What our kids breathe matters more than ever. But how can you tell if a school is safe to breathe in? If you could actually see what's in the air, would you keep them home? Introducing Air Patrol, making the invisible visible, ensuring schools are safer for everyone. Breathe safely. My Swiss pick of the week. Last week, I went out to Mohawk for the grassroots final for three-year-old Philly Trotters. I took the number one horse, Smashing Rackets. Now, she had the lead after a very quick first half. Looked like she might hang on to win it, but pretty special. Had some kind of finishing kick. Let's get the call. Three to five. Chris Christopher, has not moved yet. He just took a peek over his left shoulder and said, good night. Pretty special and OSS grassroots final winner under wraps. Holding second, smashing yes. rackets. It appeared to be sweet determination in third. 153 and a two. New race win record. Yes, Chris Christopheru drove the winner. Pretty special trained by Camilla Christopheru, owned by Bradley Grant. Let's hear from the winning driver. Uh, it was one of those things where it was kind of late and uh, she had done well in the grassroots and it was probably an easier spot for her and uh, like I said we this this filly she has tremendous speed for a piece and uh, but she's very erratic and like I said uh, it's all Camilla on this one I'm I'm just a passenger it's one of the big days in the Woodbine Slate, the 84th edition of the Canadian International, a mile and a half on the E.P. Taylor turf. I'm taking Nation's Pride, an Irish bred owned by Godolphin Stables, trained by Chris Appleby, ridden by Bill Buick. This is the same awesome combination that captured last month's Rico Woodbine Mile with Masters of the Sea. Nation's Pride has eight wins and 13 career starts with almost $3 million in earnings, including this victory about a year ago at the Caesars Jockey Club Derby at Belmont. So far this year, the four-year-old has two wins and one-third in three starts, $700,000 in purses for 2023. So there's your pick. Go to woodbine.com for all the lady, latest racing info. Replays on YouTube. You can also get the latest from Woodbine Thoroughbred and Woodbine Standardbred on Instagram and X. Go to hpibet.com, darkhorsebets.com, and bet 365 or your wagering options. Discover the finest patio experience in Toronto at the Stella Ortois Terrace. Situated on the third floor of Woodbine Racetrack, 
Delight and mouth watering shared appetizer and raise a toast to the evening. Relish expertly prepared main courses that will tantalize your taste buds. Capture the beauty of sunsets. Indulge in delectable desserts. Secure your reservation today and immerse yourself in the excitement of the races. Enjoy an unparalleled view of the thrilling finish line. Well, it's a special place and uh, the food is great. The atmosphere, it's... Uh it's really a, a, a nice experience. Experience the enchantment of Stella Ortois Terrace. Open four days a week. Undoubtedly the city's premier patio destination. Addiction Rehab Toronto. Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Attention security seekers, ready to take control? Introducing Corporate Protection and Investigative Services, your ultimate solution. Retailers tired of losing profits to theft? Our retail loss prevention experts have you covered. Mobile patrol, close body protection, insured door persons, we've got your security needs covered from all angles. Background investigations and civil recovery programs, trust us for thorough solutions. Licensed by the Ministry of Solicitor General, fully insured and bonded. Visit www.corporateprotection.ca or call 1-800-827-1692 for top-notch security and private investigation services. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting tax and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves and responds to the need of their clients in the private, public, and non-profit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, their team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca today to learn more. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great people. We highly recommend them all. Thank you for your support of Canadian and local sports. A reminder that the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network, Zingo TV, Buzz TV Live. Also, check out the show on YouTube. All of our past great shows are there and some shorts clip on there. Click and uh, like and subscribe. It's absolutely free. Once again, thanks to Darren McCarty, DMAC, for being on the show. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. Air quality at work matters more than ever. But there's no way to tell if a space is safe to breathe in. If you could actually see what's in the air, would you even come to work? Introducing Air Patrol, making the invisible visible, ensuring workplaces are safer for everyone. Breathe safely. Rooted in 60 years of tradition, Sleepy Hollow is a private golf club with a friendly community of members just minutes from Toronto. With mature trees and rolling fairways, Sleepy Hollow provides a challenging and enjoyable experience for passionate golfers. Enjoy great golf, amazing dining, and a picturesque patio second to none. Visit SleepyHollowCountryClub.com.
Hi there, I'm Joe Tilly. Are you ready for an adventure of a lifetime? Next March, during the enchanting cherry blossom season, join me and my wife for an unforgettable two-week journey to Japan and South Korea. In Japan, you'll experience the magic of the season as we visit the stunning Osaka Castle against the backdrop of cherry blossoms. Feed the adorable Sika deer at Nara Park, glide through picturesque landscapes on the famed bullet train, cruise on Lake Kawaguchi, and witness the awe-inspiring view of Mount Fuji. Relax in natural hot springs and savor a delightful Fuji dinner banquet while dressing in traditional robes. And of course, we'll dive into Tokyo's cutting-edge technology scene. In Korea, dress in elegant hanbok attire and step back in time at Changdok Gong Palace. Wander through Andong Village, a true glimpse into Korea's rich heritage. Delight your taste buds with the flavors of Korean barbecue. We'll even visit the DMZ area to get a glimpse of mysterious North Korea. And guess what? This incredible journey is all yours for just $54.99, all-inclusive with direct flights from Vancouver or $58.99 from Toronto. Book now to unlock up to an extra $1,700 in upgrades and savings. Let's make some memories. Let's explore. Let's travel. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top-of-the-line imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com.